Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. By now, many of you are aware there was some news to come out of Georgia Spring Practice here over the course of the last you know 24 hours, couple of days or so. We want to react to that. On our program here today, it appears that Georgia running back Kendall Milton going to be out for the rest of spring with what's being described as a hamstring injury. I'm going to read you a little bit Mike Griffith, DogNation.com, who covered this, uh, saying that uh, the, the quote here directly from Mike is, is that Georgia tailback Kendall Milton is going to be limited the remainder of spring drills on account of a hamstring injury. And he goes on to say it was a non-contact uh, injury. Uh, so, so, yeah, yeah. So it's, so it's a non-contact injury. Uh, and expected to be healthy again for the uh, for, for fall camp coming up. But for now, Mike is reporting that his hamstring injury going to keep Kendall Milton out here for the uh, rest of spring practice. So obviously a pretty big issue here for Georgia. Milton obviously has a lot of excitement about his upcoming season. Uh, he's talked about this. And in fact, why don't we let you, as a way of kind of getting into this discussion, Let's get ready to hear Kendall Milton because I think that there are really kind of three questions that you want to ask about the Georgia running back situation on the heels of the news that Kendall Milton now going to be out with spring practice from from an injury standpoint. I guess the first question on all of this kind of relates to what does this mean for Kendall Milton in particular? Because Milton's been here since 2020, and in each of the years that he's been at Georgia, there has been some sort of nagging injury like this, not always a hamstring, but something kind of in the same kind of variety that has kept Milton off the field at times, caused him to miss a handful of games at times during each of the seasons, I think, since he's been here at UGA. And so to kind of start off with, in terms of this hamstring string injury, what it means for Milton in particular to begin spring practice when Milton met with reporters the other day he talked openly about the fact that hey staying healthy and 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 being available to be on the field for Georgia was one of his big goals here for the season as he tries to obviously put a great punctuation mark on his UGA career here's some very candid words from Milton on this topic just a few days ago here's Kendall this season I would say a big thing is being able to just go through the season and maintain my health I would say that's kind of one of the biggest points and you know this offseason I've focused on you know rehab and things like that I've made that a uh I made that of high emphasis and, you know, really this season, I just want to go out there and just have fun. Just one last ride, go out there and have fun because I feel like, you know, if we go out there as a team and we're continuously having fun, I feel like the results will be on the table. You know, everything that happens, it'll speak for itself. And, you know, I'm just excited to have one last ride with my brothers. So I like the idea of Milton wanting to have fun. And obviously that's what you come back to a place like Georgia four after you've won two straight national championships. The idea to now contribute to a third and in Milton's case, have a larger contribution to this 2023 team than he's had on the previous Georgia teams, which he was kind of sharing carries with older, more experienced running backs. Clearly the excitement of doing that draws Milton back to the program. And I think every Georgia fan is glad that he made that decision. And the idea of this team that has had such a tight bond with each other, the fact they want to kind of go through all of this one more time. I think that's a really nice thing as well. It's nice to hear Milton saying all that kind of stuff. And it's important to note, as Mike reported, nothing that's going on with Milton here this spring practice would lead you to believe that he's not going to be able to do that here this fall on the basis of this injury. This injury not going to prevent him 
from uh, being able to do that, but it is a continuation of what has been a little bit of a story about Kendall Milton and injury. Really, that has been a part of the conversation since Milton has been at UGA, and you heard him kind of acknowledge that to begin with, that, hey, my goal is to be healthy. My goal is to be out there. My goal is to be able to contribute to this football team and have the kind of season I want to have. And he talks about you know the work that he can do to do that. And I think, listen, there are plenty of things that maybe I think I know that I don't know, but there are some things that I know that I don't know. And in terms of how an elite athlete like this takes care of his body so that he maybe prevents or makes it more likely to prevent these kinds of injuries, you know, frankly, that's not something that I find, you know, I feel like I'm an expert on. And I think as it relates to stuff like this, it might be more interesting to hear, okay, so what does that mean? You know, players go in for treatment, players are going there and, and, you know, kind of, you know, trying to do the right things, take care of their body. Specifically, what does that mean? We're going to talk more to Jake Fromm, who uh, was obviously a big player, George, in his own right. You know, how do these guys, you know, when they talk about taking care of their body, when they talk about doing those kinds of treatment things early in the morning in some cases, when they talk about trying to take preventative steps towards getting injury, specifically, you know, what does that mean? And in the case of Milton, is this just a string of bad luck? It certainly appears that's the case. I don't think there's anything you blame Milton on for the injuries that he sustained. I think it to me, the best I can tell, just sort of looks like a string of bad luck. But is there something you can do from kind of a luck standpoint to kind of put more luck in your favor? As Milton says, I want to come back for a reason. I'm here for a big contribution on a team that could win a third straight national championship. And so so what do I do to, to make sure I'm in the best position to be able to do that. That's one of those things on today's show we're going to talk a lot about. We'll get some insight from this with Connor Riley, who's been around Georgia practice a lot the uh, last few weeks. And as I said before, we'll talk to Jake Fromm about that there uh, as well. But there is also another element of this conversation about the Georgia running back situation that I believe we'd still be having whether Kendall Milton was fully healthy or not. By this fall, we think he probably will be fully healthy. But if Milton is healthy or if he isn't healthy, there is a conversation about the Georgia running back room that's not going to go away no matter what Milton's health situation is. And some of this is based on the change at Georgia. It just sort of stands to reason you're going to be breaking in a new starting quarterback here this season. And while there's lots of optimism about the potential of Carson Beck or the possibility of a Brock Vandergriff or even a Gunnar Stockton, the truth is, is that Georgia's starting quarterback to begin this season, if we assume that guy maintains that role for the entirety of this season, that's going to be a player who is much less experienced than Stetson Bennett was. And it just so happens that Bennett is, I think, now the most decorated quarterback in UGA history as a Heisman finalist and a back-to-back national champion. Those are big shoes to fill. And in just sort of normal football conversation, when you have a quarterback changeover like this, leaning on something else makes that transition a little bit easier that's just kind of the in simple terms that's what you do you you lean on something else when you're breaking in a new quarterback now it's a great time for Georgia to have a player like Brock Bowers he may be among the five or ten best players in the entire country so that helps the transition at quarterback it seems like Georgia right now at wide receiver is deeper than we're used to seeing it in the Kirby Smart era that's a good thing as well but also leaning a little bit more on running back to kind of aid this transition that's just the kind of things that 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 most teams would do if they were in this position so there was all already a little bit of extra scrutiny a little bit of extra spotlight I believe on the Georgia running back spot because the fact that you've got transition in other places when it comes to your offense and now that's maybe even heightened even more now that you at least for the rest of the spring are going to be without Kendall Milton because what it puts the spotlight on is okay well if Milton's your one guy and you would say that because of his talent and what he's shown you in flashes great collection of highlights of Georgia even though maybe Milton hasn't always played as much as he wanted to when he's gotten in there he's shown you flashes of what he can be 
but also the previous history of Georgia football sort of shows you, especially during the Kirby Smart era, that a great running back situation at Georgia is not built on the back of just one player. It's at least going to be a tandem, if not even more guys in the mix than that. So you're kind of left to conclude, well, if you want to treat Milton as your given, and because of the talent, some people might want to, but if you're going to treat Milton when he's healthy as the given, well, who's the other person you can pair with him and create something that sort of feels like what you know, Zamir White and James Cook would have been, or what, you know, uh, Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle would have been, or what, you know, maybe, you know, you know, last year, you know, what a guy like Kenny McIntosh might, you know, kind of brought to the table and, you know, some of the guys who are kind of running with him, like, 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 what is that pairing going to be? Who is that tandem that goes along with the healthy Kendall Milton? Because of his experience, Dejon Edwards sort of feels like a guy that could be that. There's also a lot of excitement that exists from the young Georgia running backs. Once again, Branson Robinson, a little back, a little bit like Kendall Milton used to be. We maybe didn't see Robinson this year as much as he would have liked, or much as you know some Georgia fans would have liked. But when we did see uh, Robinson, including the national championship game, the highlights that he showed you were the kind of thing that make you feel, ooh, this guy really kind of brings something to the table. This guy has a chance to be really special at UGA. And you know, the guy that, back in the summer that was kind of drawing some favorable comparisons with Robinson, Andrew Paul. Paul not fully healthy right now. That's another guy that if you're excited about Robinson, you also have reason to be excited about Andrew Paul, too, because Paul was earning a lot of praise going back to the summer. And then there's a guy like Roderick Robinson coming in as the freshman running back, a guy who really seemed to turn it on and put up a pretty big stat line and highlight reel and everything else near the end of his high school career. There's obviously reason to be excited about Roderick Robinson there as well. So the question of, well, who is the other running back in this tandem? Who is the other running back in this pairing? We'd be asking that uh, even if Kendall Milton was fully healthy. But the third question as it relates to running backs may be the most important of all. And once again, this is a question that would still be irrelevant even if we were talking about Kendall Milton here today. When you go back and look at what the Georgia running back profile has been, especially during the Kirby Smart era, you typically see a specific kind of player. You've got a Kenny McIntosh, who this past year was a tough runner for Georgia when needed to be, but also a weapon in the passing game when needed to be as well. He was Georgia's leading receiver, after all, in the win against Oregon to begin the season. Prior to that, that's what James Cook was for this Georgia program, too. Think about how valuable Cook was back in his hometown of Miami in that Orange Bowl win versus Michigan. Many other games, we kind of took on a similar type thing. He eventually became a second-round pick because of his ability to not just carry the football, but also be that weapon in the passing game, too. And the the archetype that that McIntosh had this year and that James Cook had for Georgia prior to that was probably first established by Sony Michelle, who Kirby kind of inherited when he first took this job in 2016. But in 2017, when Georgia won the SEC, when Georgia made the college football playoff, it was that style of play that Sony Michelle brought that was so important to that and the kind of thing that I think that Georgia's tried to resemble in the years after that with both Cook and McIntosh. So now in 2023, I have to say that it's not obvious who that player is going to be it's not obvious who the new mcintosh cook michelle type player is going to be but i think it is somewhat obvious that georgia needs a player like that for the offense to function as best as it can possibly function now the good news here is that this seems to be the kind of thing that kirby smart's very well aware of too you want to go back to last summer when he was talking about the running back situation that style of player the mcintosh cooks michelle style of player who's not just a weapon when he runs the football but also a weapon in the passing game that's something that kirby smart a year ago said hey this is a position this is a role that we're trying to cultivate among our running backs each and every year presumably that's true for 2023 as well as a reminder this is what kirby smart said back then 
In college football, you become a weapon by how you receive the ball out of the backfield. They want to grow at that. They want to be able to um, showcase their talents catching the ball out of the backfield. So the NFL asks about, can you catch the ball out of the backfield? Can you be a third down back? Well, we, we like to grow NFL backs here. So to do that, you got to use them in the passing game. So let me see if I can make the bottom line here in all this there for a moment. Uh, as Kirby Smart says, we want to grow NFL running backs here. And in 2023, that means how you become a weapon in the passing game. This is just a very real thing here. The Milton injury, and we wish him well on his way back, does create an opportunity for other running backs now get noticed. I would say that one of the ways in which those running backs can get noticed is not just the way they kind of churn out hard yards between the tackles, although that's obviously very important, but it's also that ability to kind of catch the football coming out of the backfield there as well. How much of that do we see on G-Day? Who shows himself to be a versatile weapon for the guys who are at least healthy enough to be able to do that? Who is it that shows themselves to be a versatile weapon? Because that may be the guy that takes a big leap forward in this competition for playing time, being the kind of NFL-style running back that Kirby Smart last offseason said that Georgia needs. It's a fascinating time here. The good news is between Kendall back when he's healthy again and Dejon Edwards who's kind of shown you certainly plenty during his UGA career younger players like Branson Robinson and Andrew Paul all Paul also coming back from injury and an incoming freshman like Roderick Robinson the good news is you've got definitely the talent in place to create an effective running back room but the challenge is you're asking a bunch of guys to step up to a degree in which they've never been before either because they're fresh and new to college or they're just in an expanded role this year compared to where they've been in the past there's a little bit of pressure on this room right now but there's plenty of talent waiting to step up and meet the moment and and take that pressure on it's going to be a fascinating subplot i would say that g-day has gotten more interesting unfortunately because the milton injury and the summer work that comes after that has also gotten more important as georgia tries to cultivate a very effective running game situation while also battling the challenge of injury my name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we are happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, we start at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Uh, so happy to have you with us, no matter how you want to join us on video, or it's the Radio Noon app and Sports Radio 960 The Ref every single day there at 12 p.m. And obviously, of course, podcasts, wherever you want to find them. The on-demand audio way to listen to our program, Apple, Spotify, posting the show at the worldfamousdognation.com, everything else in between there on that. Of course, you see right there on the desk, back-to-back dog national champions. George has had a lot of success, and it's hungry for more. And obviously, we'll be talking a lot about how Georgia gets that over the course of the uh, next few months. Of course, on a day like this, all made possible by our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. You know, if you're a homeowner, one of the greatest challenges you can face as a homeowner is protecting your home from like foundation issues, waterproofing issues. And sometimes you see evidence of that. There are cracks in a wall or you go down to the basement, you maybe have a concrete floor and you see some of that sort of cracking, unsettled situation down there. That can be a sign of a foundation issue or when it rains. And by the way, over the course of the weekend, how much heavy rain do we have? Some of you Maybe after that, saw water spots down there in your basement where, you know, you know, that's not a great thing or maybe garage, crawl space, whatever else. Any kind of issue like that, our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia want to be the solution to your problem. After all, they have the word solution in their name. They've got an entire team of engineers doing great work for you. There's nobody else in our market that can say they put that kind of resource to work for you to solve your problem. They're also proud partners of UGA, which makes them really fun to do business with. Great, great uh, partners of ours there as well for a long time. I'm so glad to know they're 
They're out there taking great care of all of our folks. And so glad that so many of you have trusted Engineered Solutions of Georgia for your foundation and waterproofing issues. What do you say? Give them a call. 678-ESOG-NOW. That is 678-ESOG-NOW. That's Engineered Solutions of Georgia for your foundation, your waterproofing issues. Check out Engineered Solutions of Georgia today. Okay, in a couple of minutes, we're going to talk to Connor Riley. We'll talk more about the Milton, the Milton injury with him and the running back situation at UGA. We'll do that. Then we'll have this conversation later on today with uh, former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm there, too. So all of that is going to be fun. We'll look forward to doing that with you coming up in just a couple of minutes. Prior to that, though, I want to talk about a different topic here. I want to go around the doghouse. And Georgia tight end Brock Bowers, who I would say right now is just among the very best players in the country, I think it's appropriate to give him the attention that he deserves. In fact, when Kirby Smart was meeting with the Macon Touchdown Club the other day, he had a Q&A session at the end. We played you some audio clips from this. I'll put a link to the video the other day at dognation.com. And one of the uh, fans in attendance asked Kirby Smart if he thought that Brock Bowers could be the number one overall pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Or not by upcoming, I mean a year from now. And uh, Kirby said, you know, as a tight end, it'd be hard to be number one overall. And Kirby's right about that. But it's important to note that Bowers, I believe, is just a different kind of tight end. I don't believe that Bowers would be taken number one overall, but I do believe it's appropriate at least to consider whether or not he could. You know, in the top 10, almost certainly for sure. You know, could he win the Heisman Trophy this year? I would say if the right series of events were to play out, I certainly think he could. This is a guy that almost had 200 yards receiving the national championship game a year ago. This is a guy who's, I think, been kind of intentionally kind of, I don't want to say held down at Georgia, but Georgia's intentionally chosen to kind of spread the wealth a little bit offensively, even though if Georgia wanted to feed him over and over and over again, it clearly could. I think for a while, and this is starting to change now a little bit, I think, but I think for a while, I think people have had a hard time processing just exactly how good Brock Bowers is. This is a truly special player, one of the best players that's ever played at Georgia. We kind of did our Mount Rushmore thing of Georgia players uh, not too long ago. I put Bowers on my Mount Rushmore. I think he's one of the four best players this program may have ever had. Uh, that's how good I think he is. So all of that is to say that when you talk about Brock Bowers, he is more than just a talented player on a deep and talented roster. Brock Bowers is one of the truly special players in college football and a guy who I think you know may be you know an ultimate household name over the course of the next you know ten or fifteen years or so. So anything he says about the George offense, I think, is going to be pretty interesting. And he certainly had plenty to say when he met with the reporters the other day. Now I don't have time to play all this for you. I do think it's worth going to the Dog Nation YouTube page, watching the entire uh, press conference because he talked about in more detail kind of what he alludes to alludes to here which is with the changeover at offensive coordinator, Todd Muckin's not here anymore. Mike Bobo is in here. Brock Bowers let us know that, hey, you know, while the terminology is the same, there is some stuff about this that could be just a little bit different. This is what Brock Bowers told us just the other day. Uh, I mean, he's, he's been throwing a couple wrinkles in there of his own. Uh, I mean, he, uh, I mean, he's been doing a good job. I mean, we, we kept most of the same terms just because it's a lot easier of a transition. He made, he made, it, he made an easy transition for all of us, but... Um, yeah, I like what he's been doing, throwing a few wrinkles in there that, that I like. So, so uh, Bauer says a few wrinkles that I like, which is for a guy that's you know carried the football, had rushing touchdowns, and kind of been utilized in every which way one can be. The idea there's even more wrinkles for a guy like Bauer is certainly very fun. But some of the other stuff that Bauer said during this press conference sort of ignited a little bit of a conversation among UGA fans but the kind of offensive formations we may see around Georgia. Because, let's face it, Darnell Washington is not here anymore. And this is one of those things where the average, the average Georgia fan knows full well what I think a lot of people kind of outside the bubble of Dog Nation maybe don't understand is that Darnell Washington was one of Georgia's most important players last year. 
when he was touching the football, of course, but when he was not touching the football, he may have been even more dangerous. And a lot of the touches that Darnell may have gotten at UGA were simply a reward for what he was doing for Georgia on every other play. Darnell was just one of the very best blockers in all of college football. When you saw some of the uh, scouting combine stuff the other day, you know, Brock, uh, you know, Darnell Washington's essentially, you know, taking that you know you know that 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 blocking sled and basically like picking it up and putting it over shoulder and carrying it home like a souvenir i mean he's just absolutely physically dominant in a way that no other tight end in this upcoming nfl draft shows any capability of being and obviously when you lose that off this past year's georgia team for the upcoming 2023 season well figuring out you know kind of how you manage him not being here is certainly difficult and so you're led to conclude and some people have been kind of debating this and some of what brock bauer said the other day leads to a discussion about this you can go watch the full bowers press conference to kind of fully uh, educate yourself on all of this but the discussion has been had up well since brock since since brock bauer is going to be on the field we know that but if darnell washington isn't here anymore does that mean that georgia does less two tight ends type stuff than they used to do uh last season and have done a lot under kirby smart do we see more three wide receiver sets now because it just so happens a guy like dominic lovett a slot receiver from missouri is now transferred into the program that's a guy that had big numbers for a year ago for a missouri team that frankly wasn't all that good even though they did give georgia all it wanted uh you know does the presence of lovett lovett the absence of darnell washington does this sort of create a scenario in which georgia has less two tight end sets and more three wide receiver sets and i think a lot of that remains to be seen i think there's a lot of creative ways to kind of handle a lot of this kind of stuff and i do think a guy like oscar delp is one of the players this upcoming season that i'm probably as excited about seeing his growth as i am anybody else so i think that delp is pretty clearly going to be on the field you know quite a lot but at the same time you do want room for that slot receiver you do want to create opportunities for Dominic Lovett so how do you manage your personnel and how do you manage those various formations that you're going to be putting out there especially in line of what Bauer said a moment ago that, that Bobo's got some wrinkles in mind Bobo's got some 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 opportunities for creativity as he steps into this role as a Georgia offensive coordinator what I want to let you know though here for a moment is is that the entirety of this conversation is actually not just new because Darnell isn't here anymore and because you've transitioned from Munkin to, to Bobo and you've got Dominic Love with the program now. This is not an actual this is actually not a new conversation for Georgia. In fact, they were doing some of the same chatter a year ago. I'm gonna give you an example of this. So Kirby last summer was asked about Kiaris Jackson. And Jackson, obviously an important player for UGA, but also a guy that, let's just face it, on a deep and talented roster, Kiaris was kind of always fighting for playing time. So in the midst of being asked last summer prior to last you know, prior to the, the, the season, you know, what Kiaris' out- outlook was for being able to do things on the field, I thought that Kirby gave a pretty candid answer about this. Now, this is, goes beyond just Kiaris last season. To me, this is a little bit of a template for how Georgia kind of views its offense all around including for this upcoming season as well so let's let's hear kirby smart on Kiaris jacks from last summer as a way of understanding the kind of decision making process that george is also going for this year's offense there as well this is kirby smart Kiaris is a leader he represents our university the right way he's on part of so many committees and boards and he seems like he's been here forever so i, I really appreciate what he's done in that regard he's been a team player um, he's got to continue to improve. Uh, he knows the competition to create value is, you know, he's also competing with the tight ends because when he's on the field, one of them's not. So for him, it's very important that he knows his role, he understands his role, and he creates value in the way he plays, whether it's special teams or at wide receiver. So what Kirby says there is, hey, for a guy like Kiaris is a 
you know, kind of slot receiver, third receiver type, he's not just competing with other receivers, he's competing with tight ends as well. And I think that that's one of those things that you got to look at for this upcoming season too. Whereas Dominic Love, it was an established player in the SEC. He comes in the uh, easy to imagine scenario is that Georgia really wants to use a love it and that may be to a degree who Oscar Delps also is competing with the Delp is not just competing with other Georgia tight ends to be that second tight end on the field for Georgia but he's also competing with a guy like love it in terms of hey who's the playmaker that you most want on the field now ultimately do I think there's enough space enough room enough opportunity for a second tight end and this third receiver yeah I think there probably is I think that George will try to find a way to make all of this work but the kinds of decision making process that George is going through right now not having Darnell Washington having a slot receiver that's maybe more talented than what we're used to seeing Georgia have there while some of the personnel may feel a little bit different and certainly the coach making the decision about all this on offense at Mike Bobo that's a little bit different the overall conversation they're being had right now are ones that have been taking place at Georgia even going back to last season there as well an example of that from Kirby Smart so this is another one of those things I think makes G-Day kind of fun and see how good Delp is with your own eyes see what Dominic Lovett looks like with your own eyes and ultimately the, the the best thing here is it creates lots of conflict for those defenses that Georgia plays because they have to try to figure out, okay, which of these weapons do we want to try to take away? So good stuff there as Georgia spring practice rolls on. Now we're going to roll on here too before we're done. It's it's a former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm. Looking forward to welcome welcoming him on to today's show. But for now, the Kendall Milton injury, what's happening at UGA spring practice, everything else in between. Let's cover all of that here right now with Connor Riley on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com Insider. And we begin today with birthday greetings. Connor Riley celebrates a birthday today, and I'll let people in on a little bit of a secret here. In our Dog Nation World Headquarters studios, outside of the studio, there's this screen that kind of just sort of runs this slideshow over and over again, and it shows birthdays for the month of March. And so I'd been seeing that Connor's birthday was 328 for a while, and I was thinking, gosh, you know, Connor's a big Patriots fan kind of a Boston sports fan and I was thinking boy there's no more ultimate Patriots birthday than that trolling the Atlanta sports fan even with his date of birth obviously with the 328 in the inverse order of the 28 to 3 debacle for the Falcons not too long ago but nonetheless on 328 we'll say happy birthday to the Patriots fan Connor Riley as he joins us here today uh, Mr. Riley happy birthday to you Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate it. Though we're going to be talking about another uh, Northeastern sports team just playing a SmackDown. You know, Gonzaga, great season, getting to the Elite Eight from Alabama, Tennessee, every SEC team couldn't do, but UConn just waxed them. And I still believe one day they're going to win a national title playing the way they do. Uh, Drew Timmy, great career, but uh, tough, tough couple days if you're a Bulldog supporter, both in the greater Northwest and uh, in the Southeast as well. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Certainly a huge surprise to see Gonzaga not be able to handle the pressure and the physicality of a team that they're playing shocking to see that play out that way uh prior to the final four but nonetheless uh connor the other big news for bulldogs fans right now of the football variety the injury of kendall milton it's been reported that he's going to be out for the rest of spring practice and we obviously had our turn a moment ago to try to talk about what all this means let me talk about this for milton specifically here for a moment this injury in and of itself is not the kind of thing that ruins a season for him or anything like that 
but it does bring to mind some of the injury stuff that Milton's dealt with before. Now, listen, I don't have any reason to believe that any of Kendall's injury situation is the kind of thing that ought to be blamed on him. Generally speaking, for the most part, I assume that all injuries are just sort of bad luck because bad luck is a part of sports. But Kendall did talk the other day, and we played this clip before you joined us, of one of his goals being, hey, I want to make sure I stay healthy. So let me ask you this. As a person who spends a lot of time around this program, how much of the responsibility is on the player to remain healthy in a situation like this non-contact injury or can all of this just sort of be chalked up to hey for whatever reason this guy has just bumped into his share of bad luck what do you come down on those kind of two extreme viewpoints yeah obviously somewhere in the middle you know some of his injuries again contact variety you think the auburn game last year when he injured a groin the two knee injuries this was more of a non-contact injury from my understanding a hamstring injury Again, you know, he's going to be fine come the fall, but it does raise the question, you know, this makes, I think, running back a lot more of an uncertainty just in terms of getting through the season because I don't think they have another player as explosive as Kendall at that running back position, and they're going to need him during the season. And, you know, you played the clip. I was the one that asked the question. You know, him wanting to get healthy and stay healthy through the season is important for a number of reasons. And, Look, you know, Zamir White was a guy that famously couldn't stay healthy, and then, you know, I don't think he missed a game his final two years at Georgia. Matthew Stafford, when he got to the NFL, was quote-unquote injury-prone early on, and then he played a ton of games in a row. So, you know, I think you're largely correct in injuries being a staple of bad luck. I think with regards to Georgia, they're just going to need a little bit of luck when it comes to Kendall and his ability to stay healthy, because I do believe when healthy, he's a difference maker. You saw that in the stretch run last season. And without him, I have a lot of questions about just what this running attack is going to look like from an explosiveness standpoint and an ability to generate big runs. Because while I like Dejon Edwards and what he brings, he is not the explosive runner that Kendall Milton is. And if you, unless you can tell me what Andrew Paul is going to look like, they don't have another running back of Kendall's ability in that room. Yeah, and, and you know, let's be honest here for a moment, which is, hey, right now on paper, everything looks like it's really easy for Georgia. They're going to be, you know, a 30-point favorite in a great number of the games they play this season. I think the, you know, the analytics folks give them about a 90% chance of winning 11 of their 12 games. It doesn't really feel like Georgia has any real adversity to deal with. But you let this running back situation falter a little bit, all of a sudden the season, I think, gets much, much more difficult. So it appears that on paper, Georgia has large margin for error, but it doesn't take much for the dominoes to topple, for that to feel like it changes pretty quick. If Georgia has any issue in terms of effectively running the football, then all of a sudden this season, I think, could feel very, very different very, very quick. Right. We're going to learn a lot this spring, both about Branson Robinson and Roger Robinson, in terms of what they're going to be able to bring to this team. And G-Day, it's never set up to be a big day for the running back. It's always been a little bit more of a pass-happy attack. Uh, and they're going to obviously not want to expose those guys to too many hits, given they're the only two healthy running backs on the team right now. But you need to find out what you have in Robinson and in Robinson there as well, Roderick and Branson. Uh, Branson flashed a little bit in, in, in opportunities last year against TCU, against Auburn. They come to mind there. Can he make another stride forward with another year in this system? This is his first spring. I, I think it's hugely important for him to sort of step up and at least be a, a guy that can be seen as that third running back, you know, a la uh, DeAndre Swift on that 2017 team, uh, even Kenny McIntosh on that 2021 team. Can you have a guy that emerges as a third running back that sort of maybe change your pace, a guy that while the defense is worn down, he comes in and moves the change. Obviously, he's got the physical gifts to it. Does he have all the other aspects of being a good running back to make the leap into being a valuable contributor for Georgia? 
Yeah, I think that's interesting. And then the other thing that I talked about a moment ago, which I think is really important, and this would be, by the way, a question whether Milton was healthy or not is, you know, you got Sony Michelle, who's kind of like that guy who runs the ball for you, but also becomes a big weapon in the passing attack. James Cook then became that guy and really, you know, turned himself into a very nice NFL draft pick because of his ability to do those types of things. Kenny McIntosh was in that role most recently for UGA. It's not obvious to me right now that Georgia has the Sony james cook mcintosh style back on this team and frankly if he's healthy kendall milton may be the most likely to be that guy the most effective weapon out of the passing game i believe if he's healthy here so another question for georgia running back for me connor whether milton's healthy or not is is who's the guy that kind of brings you that nfl style weapon in the passing game because it seems like under kirby smart the best georgia offense is always seem to have that kind of guy to pair with a hard-nosed runner there too and that role on this offense right now is not defined at all I don't believe right and maybe you see Georgia get creative in this aspect maybe they play Lad McConkey out of the backfield maybe they play Dylan Bell out of the backfield I think they have a lot of uh wide obviously this team uh, has a lot greater depth at that wide receiver position and I think given the uncertainty at running back I think you're going to see them lean on that even more we saw Todd Munkin get creative with getting guys like Glad McConkey, Brock Bowers involved in the run game, I think with the way this running back room is set up, even if Kendall Milton is healthy, you're going to see wide receivers in the backfield catching passes, being sort of a safety valve in that regard, simply because I think that's one of the stronger areas of the team in terms of bodies and guys who could potentially make an impact there. And just the fact that, as you laid out, they don't really have a proven pass catcher at their running back position right now. I think Dejan Edwards as the leading returning receiver at that position, and he's not a pass-catching running back in the mold of either Kenny McIntosh or James Cook. So I think really this is an opportunity for a guy like Dylan Bell, who Justin Tell mentioned on our daily call this morning. You know, similar a little bit to Kyrus Jackson in terms of body size, and they moved Kyrus to running back at one point during the spring in the past. You think maybe you can get him involved, use him out of the backfield a little bit more, sort of be a more gadget player than a true traditional wide receiver. So my final point on this, and we'll talk about something different, is this is obviously a really hot topic right now because the Milton injury just happened. But I believe when it's all said and done, you know, semi-bowl prediction, I still believe I think that Milton is Georgia's leading rusher this season. And last year, the leading rushing mark for Georgia was 829 yards. I guess I still believe that Milton will also eclipse that total there as well. So I'm not selling Kendall Milton stock simply on the basis of us talking about another minor Milton injury. That's not enough for me to change the outlook on the season for him. Is it enough for you? No, uh, you can't predict injuries when they're going to happen. Nobody would have predicted George Pickens would have torn his ACL when he did. Uh, you know, these are things that are just, as I think you laid out at the top, just unlucky, fluky. If he's healthy and able to get through the season, and again, that's a big if given his history and given what we've seen already this spring, I think he's going to finish with over a 1,000 rushing yards. Mm -hmm. I think the talent is absolutely there. You saw it in big games last year, Ohio State, uh, LSU. I was sort of wondering why maybe he wasn't getting the ball more in some of those instances. And and I think he's poised to have a big season in terms of rushing totals. I think maybe uh, Dejon Edwards is probably going to be your leading ball carrier in terms of rushing attempts. But in terms of yards on the season, I still expect that to be Kendall. And if I had to put money down on it right now, I'd still put money down on him going over 1,000 rushing yards. Yeah, that's a really interesting prediction. Uh, let me change the subject to the 
I guess the broader spring practice topic here for a moment. You know, we've had our turn talking about the emergence of Austin Blasky as a real threat for playing time. You gave us some great stuff on that last week. We've also talked about the depth on display for Georgia's outside linebacker. Clearly, quarterback is just getting all kinds of attention here right now. Beyond that, though, seven days removed from our last conversation, what else is standing out with you about spring practice here right now? Hmm. You know, uh, we got a chance to talk to Shmaw London on, uh, on, I believe, Thursday it was at this point. Uh, I think we're underestimating how good he can ultimately be. Okay. Uh, you know, everyone talks about Jermon Dumas Johnson. I think he's maybe the guy that's been pegged as the guy that's going to be the All-American linebacker for Georgia this season, following like the Kobe Dean, work on Smith roles. And, and I understand why, you know, he was able to play all 15 games last year. He was a little bit farther along at the start of the season for Georgia, um, Popped a little bit there. He's obviously going to be, I think, a team captain come the fall, uh, given his leadership and what he means to the defense. But when they finished last season, Shamon Wendell was playing better than Jamon Dumas Johnson was. And from an athletic trait standpoint, this is a guy that has a limitless ceiling. Uh, he is closer to the Quay Walker mold than the Kobe Dean mold. But uh, this is a violent football player and a guy that I think is maybe getting overlooked a little bit, in part because of the way Jamon Dumas Johnson has talked about what they have in Jalen Walker. The strides made by uh, C.J. Allen and Raylan Wilson and what they've shown so far in spring practice. But, you know, if we're ranking the list of best defensive players uh, at Georgia this coming season, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if at the end of the year we've identified Shmuel Munden as the best player on this defense. And I think he's a guy that is poised to have a really big season, even playing alongside a talented player in Jermon Dumas. And as far as the quarterback thing goes, the, the sense that I get is, and this is not based on anything, this is a hunch, and I guess hunches can't be wrong, but it seems like to me Beck feels more entrenched now than he did March fifteenth, seventh, whenever this the spring practice started. He sort of feels like he's a little bit more entrenched. Maybe that's just in my mind right now. I mean, are, are you hearing much chatter related to this? I guess we'll hear from Kirby Smart again this weekend, and maybe you know Smart will completely stamp all that out. But 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 certainly doesn't feel like that Beck's necessarily done anything wrong here this spring. And as long as that's the case, then. To me, it makes it more likely than he starts. Uh, you know, what, what kind of sense are you getting with this quarterback situation right now? Yeah, you know, I, I've heard Brock Vandegrift has made some strides from where he was a season ago, but I would largely agree with your assessment there. Uh, Carson Beck has done nothing to indicate that I think he's not going to be the starter. And ultimately, I, again, the line that I've had on this, they want Carson to go out there and improve unilaterally that he is the starting quarterback. They want them to go out there and win the job, and they want him to prove that, obviously, in the spring, but more importantly, in those scrimmages in the fall. Uh, I think those are going to carry a lot of weight in terms of what this quarterback competition ultimately looks like. And so, again, this is a process for obvious reasons from a Georgia side of things in terms of Kirby Smart, roster management. They want to see how long this quarterback competition can go, and I think they feel very comfortable with whoever is ultimately going to be that starter, whether it is, back Vandergriff or Gunnar Stockton there. But I think the biggest thing that they want to see is Carson Beck go out there and outright win this job, and he's done nothing to dissuade from that notion that is what he intends on doing. Let me finish with this before we let you go. There's some news out of the NFL about Lamar Jackson requesting a trade. This is the kind of thing that you know the world finds out about this right now, but you've got to assume behind closed doors the Ravens have been kind of aware of 
this maybe for quite some time and i think you'd be led to conclude that maybe todd monk was even aware of this when he took the ravens job you know the other job we know that monk had interviewed for was the tampa bay buck situation which also has a pretty lousy scenario a quarterback facing him here right now and to me connor my reason for asking you about this on our georgia theme show is it just reinforces the idea that todd munkin wanted to be in the nfl and it seems like any nfl situation was better for him than the very best situation in college and from that standpoint it's probably lucky that georgia had him for three years but it's pretty obvious that munkin to me was almost willing to take any nfl job he was offered including an nfl job like the baltimore ravens where they're gonna be breaking in a brand new quarterback is that your read on the situation as well yeah, I mean, I'm a fairly big NFL fan, and I had known that the Lamar Jackson thing was not on good ground even when Todd Munkin took that job. I think a lot of people understood that there was a very real chance that Lamar Jackson was not going to be the starting quarterback this upcoming year for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the, it seems like the relationship between those two sides has really deteriorated. I know, obviously, Lamar wants his money, wants his contract. There are also people on that Ravens team and staff that were pretty upset with how he handled the end of last season in terms of maybe not pushing as hard as he could have to come back and play for a team that ultimately still made the playoffs without him. So, uh, you know, Todd Munkin knows what he's getting into and knows that he's got an opportunity there to, you know, work around that quarterback room. Let's not forget when he walked into Georgia, he had Jamie Newman. He opted out right away. JT Daniels wasn't healthy to start. He had to start Juwan Mathis his first year. And ultimately you saw where he got that quarterback room and what he ultimately got out of that quarterback play there for Georgia starting, you know, obviously Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels and then going back to Stetson Bennett. And I do expect Todd Munkin with what I've seen from him and, you know, my understanding of him as a play caller, as a quarterback guy, I do expect, well, maybe not year one, I do expect the Ravens to have solid quarterback play by the end of his second year there as the play caller in Baltimore. Well, speaking of solid play, Connor, you give that to us all the time. Great coverage in Athens for uh, Georgia spring practice and uh, looking forward to all of this. We roll towards G-Day. Sure enough, we hope you have a very happy birthday and uh, get a chance to celebrate. We'll get a chance to hopefully talk to you again very soon there as well. Yep, as always, it's a pleasure, Ben. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, my point with bringing that up about Todd Munkin was to simply articulate the fact that Munkin wanted to go to the NFL and I don't have the research in front of me my guess is as you see when it comes to play calling offensive coordinators offensive coordinators have control of an offense my guess is across college football you just don't see that many examples of those guys staying in that same job for a really long time you can have a Brent Venables at Clemson as a defensive coordinator maybe you do have some long-term long-range DCs but in terms of the lifer at the offensive coordinator spot, you just don't really have that. And so if you're Georgia and you assume you're going to have, you know, 15, 20 more years of Kirby Smart doing the kinds of things that he's done, the idea that you're going to you know, have a successful offensive coordinator and then have a hard time keeping that guy, this is probably not the only time you have that conversation. Todd Munkin just preferred being in the NFL. Taking a situation like this in Baltimore sort of shows you that because I think it's probably pretty lousy, even though John Harbaugh's probably got good job security. The situation itself in terms of the offense he gets to run outlook for that and maybe not all that bright he could have been the very best college offensive coordinator for the very best program that's just not what Munkin wanted to do so you got three seasons out of him you got two national championships you shake his hand you wish him well I mean you talk about where you go from here which is obviously where you get to a Mike Bobo type scenario which uh, a lot of Georgia fans have a lot of curiosity about for this upcoming season. We'll talk to Jake Fromm, by the way, on all issues related to the Georgia offense coming up about seven minutes from right now. We'll catch up with him around 10.50. Uh, prior to that, though, let's get ready to go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And 
Obviously, we're all getting excited about that upcoming Royal Caribbean Dog Nation cruise, leaving on April 24th to the 28th, Port Canaveral, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, going to Nassau in the Bahamas, going to have a great experience with all of that. And listen, at this point in time, it's probably a little too late for you to get in on this great experience, but it's not too late for you to start thinking about your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. You want to think about something here this spring, maybe sometime in May, heading towards early summer. Summer, obviously the hottest time of the year to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. And I mean, hottest in terms of the excitement that comes with everybody looking to get away for a great vacation like that. Or you head towards the end of 2023, maybe enjoy some great savings. And of course, January of 2024, everybody excited about the uh, debut of Icon of the Seas, a brand new Royal Caribbean cruise ship, brand new class of ship, completely redefining what a cruise vacation is all about. So great travel agent, Jessica Slater, specially recommended for us by Royal Caribbean, can help get you booked up on all this. You can give her a call 770-718-9147. That number, once again, 770-718-9147. All right, let's go cruise around the SEC. And if you don't mind, I want to begin here for a moment without kind of outside the SEC because I saw the other day Dabo Swinney was asked about his Clemson program and he said something to the effect of he feels like the program is on better footing now than it's ever been before expressing a lot of confidence in the future for Clemson despite the fact that the Tigers have been out of the college ball playoff now two years in a row after having been a fixture in the playoff for many years prior to that now if there is justifiable confidence at Clemson a lot of this is going to center around the hiring of new offensive coordinator in Garrett Riley Riley's the brother of Lincoln Riley he was most recently OC at TCU and despite the fact that they didn't do much against Georgia in the national championship game uh Riley had had a really good season prior to that also thought to be an upgrade over Brandon Streeter who's now been hired ironically as a Georgia staffer quality control analyst this is thought to be an upgraded offensive coordinator and I guess I'm not completely done with Clemson yet either. They obviously have the benefit of playing in the very weak ACC, even though Florida State this season is probably as much elite competition as Clemson's probably ever had since it's been in that league and kind of emerged under Dabo Swinney. I'm not quite completely done with Clemson yet either. I would consider them to be a dark horse playoff team because of the path in the ACC. But I think it's really, really crucial for Dabo Swinney. If he wants to still be kind of thought of in that elite category of coach, I think it's really crucial to do something here this year. For right now, you know, Dabo Swinney still has a little bit of cachet that most coaches can't say they have. He has two national championships. There aren't very many active coaches that have any. Dabo's got two. But we also saw last year Kirby Smart emerge and get his second national championship. And all of a sudden, that niche that Dabo had carved out for himself, more success than any other program other than Nick Saban, Alabama, all of a sudden, that doesn't quite feel as special anymore. And frankly, that period of success now feels a little more uh, farther removed. I think that Clemson, kind of outside the boundaries of Georgia, is one of the most interesting teams in the country because they either still are in the same elite conversation they've been in or they're not a part of that at all. And if you miss the playoff three straight years, at that point in time, you got to sort of feel like the success of Clemson, the dabble era, is sort of in the past tense. There is no more Trevor Lawrence. There is no more Deshaun Watson. And there may not be any more Clemson kind of at that elite level in the college ball conversation. A lot of pressure on Dabble to prove exactly what Clemson is here this season. Let me squeeze in a couple of other uh, points here real quick. I saw where Zach Arnett, the brand new Mississippi State coach, was talking about his desire to be more than just kind of a carbon copy of what uh, uh, Mike Leach had been offensively. He's trying to kind of make his own name for himself. I think Arnett's obviously in a very tough situation because of how tragic the death of Mike Leach was. You know, they do give Arnett the multi-year deal, so they're going to give him some space to try to build his program. But it sounds like that Arnett might not have been the world's biggest fan of the Mike Leach offense because it seems like they're making some pretty big changes compared to 
what Leach would have been. There were no tight ends in this roster at all, you know, before uh, Arnett became head coach. Now you've got like Ryland Gody transferring over there, and it seems like they're going to kind of build a little bit more of a traditional offense. I always sort of felt like Arnett was having amazing success defensively, you know, just given the fact that he was asked to be paired with the Mike Leach offense that has always helped the defenses that it's working with. It's pretty obvious that Arnett wants to kind of build something that's frankly a good bit different than what the Mike Leach offense was, and you know, seeing how effective this ends up being. I think it's going to be pretty intriguing. You know, I don't mind telling you this. I think I think he's in for an uphill climb. I think that he is. But there's no doubt he brought a lot of toughness to this league as defensive coordinator. He's going to try to maintain that toughness as he now transitions to a head coach. He's got the multi-year deal, but boy, uh, going to be hard to kind of be the architect of this transition there in Starkville. And then finally, I'll give you one more story here. I saw where um, <laughs> Mark Stoops of the day was kind of unhappy, talking about entitlement with his program, but basically not maybe feeling like everybody's working as hard during spring practice as they can. Stoops is another one of these guys that I think is a really interesting figure in the SEC here right now. That's a name that when you've heard certain job openings uh, pop up, Stoops' name kind of floats up there on that and thus far he hasn't really taken one of those jobs either because he didn't really get offered the job I mean remember if, if Jim Harbaugh had gone to the NFL there's a chance we'd have heard Mark Stoops name for like a Michigan type job or something like that you know this is a guy who's got some respect in coaching circles but even if you're a good coach I believe Mark Stoops is wins are hard to come by at a place like Kentucky because you were just competing with you know programs that have a lot more resources, a lot more talent than you have. That's about to be even more true once we kind of dissolve the SEC East. One of the reasons why Kentucky did not want to go to the nine-game conference schedule. So it sounds like Stoops is trying to push his players here a little bit this spring. And you know, if anybody needs a good season, it might be him because even with relatively modest expectations, there's still some demand to win. And we'll see if Mark Stoops can meet that uh, there at the uh, University of Kentucky. We'll make that for now. Cruising around the SEC courtesy of royal caribbean and we'll now transition to our Kroger fresh take and get ready to bring in the former georgia quarterback jake Fromm onto the program here today jake it's always a great pleasure to speak to you we love your insight on georgia football and the rest of the sport as well uh thanks for being here we hope you're doing well today brandon always good happy to be here so if you don't mind can we talk a little bit about the kendall milton injury this is a georgia running back obviously going to deal with the hamstring going to be out for the rest of spring and as someone who's not a former player one of the things i have a hard time kind of understanding is is how much of this is in a player's control i was telling our previous guest that to me it just sort of feels like bad luck but in the case of kendall you know he did talk prior to the start of the spring that he wanted to take good care of his body wanted to make sure that he was healthy and able to be a full contributor this season from a treatment standpoint from an injury prevention standpoint how much opportunity does a player have to kind of aid in avoiding injury as a player yourself how would you answer that yeah i mean it's it just it's non-existent it just it can't happen that's just part of the game and uh really sucks i do hate it for kendall man just when you when you make it a a point of focus and a point of emphasis going into an off season and into a spring um man it's really tough to end up with a thing that you were trying to prevent the whole time that's just part of the game part of football um, I think it's been really tough for the guys, too, of, of missing out on a leader, uh, a guy and a workhorse they're going to be counting on. Um, but it, the good thing is this is just spring ball, yeah. you know, not necessarily camp. But they are trying to figure out their identity as an offense, too. So um, that, that might hurt as well. But, uh, man, just wishing the best and, and hopefully we can get it back out there pretty quick. No, I think that's exactly right. And would you agree with me that because it is a brand-new starting quarterback, you've got to change over to offensive coordinator, a guy that, you know, kind of shown – 
uh, a willingness to want to run the football in the past. The running back position almost takes more imp- on more of an important role this year uh, than maybe it would have with Todd Munkin and Stetson Bennett to helm because there is so much transition that makes running back a little bit more important. Is that something you would agree with? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to take a load off of the quarterback and, and, and really uh, for a coordinator, uh, just gives you something to, to fall back on. Hey, let's have some run checks. Um, on an easy second down or first down, let's just get in rhythm. So uh, it's a big kind of rhythm starter, and it's a it's a tone, it's an identity uh, that you find on offense, and that you even try to find during the spring of who are we and what are we as an offense. So um, that's going to hurt, but it's going to give some some of these younger guys an opportunity to to, to play and, and make plays. Along those lines, Jake, I've talked about this, and I guess I kind of want to have it both ways here a little bit. I'm curious how possible that really is. You know, your offenses in 2017, 2018, you guys were leading the SEC in rushing. You know, last couple of years, Georgia's been pretty prolific throwing the football. And what I've kind of wondered is, hey, can you maintain that great success throwing the football the way that Georgia seemed to have under Todd Munkin while also bringing back some of the rushing game success that you guys would have had, you know, back when you were playing 2017, 2018? In other words, you know, can you be up near the top in the SEC? in terms of running the football while also still being as effective as Georgia's proven to be in, in throwing the football. Does an offense have to make a choice between one or the other, or you know, can you be both? <laughs> this, is a, this is such a, a tough and a, a loaded deal um, for a coordinator, for an offense, for a head coach. You know, who are we? What, what do we want to put our eggs in? Uh, which basket needs to be a little bit more heavier than the other? Um, man, it's just tough. And I, I think the best offenses can change and adapt week to week to what they can do to exploit whatever defense they're playing. You know, if they're playing some small defensive guys up front that don't have a lot of, a lot of weight, a lot of butt up there, hey, man, let's run the football. Let's set the tone early. And um, if these guys are on the back end, hey, man, let's, let's spread the ball around and, and throw it. But I, I think they're still trying to figure out their personnel, who they have, what they have. Um, and they're going to figure out a, a lot of answers this spring of, of what they are and what they can be. Um, but as an offense, hey, man, if I can be at the top of both categories, let's do it. That, that's where we want to be. That's the goal every offense starts off with. Uh, it ends up being really, really difficult. Um, I think then you, you might have to start looking at the efficiency numbers uh, yeah. of throwing the ball and running the ball um, because, man, it, it is really, really tough to be uh, and total yards on, on the passing side and the offensive and the rushing side, excuse me, as well. It's almost like, and you would know this better than I do because obviously you play the game. But it's almost like when you make that uh, that opposing defense respect your passing game, all of a sudden that seems to create more opportunities for the rushing game. Whereas maybe years ago we would have said, "Hey, you got to establish the run, and once you do that, you can start beating teams over top." It seems like the game has kind of changed in the last few years. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're, and talk more about that, about the fact that now it's like you've got to prove to them you can throw the football, and then you sort of soften it up to kind of run the football after that. Yeah, I, I think the game and the philosophy, too, has changed a little bit. I mean, I, I feel like when I played, whenever we got 20 to 30-point lead, then we just uh, kind of chilled out, put it in cruise control, ran the football a little bit, and just, just got to the next game, you know, ran the clock out uh, and moving on to the next one. But I, I just I feel like now it's just, Hey, scoring points, scoring points, scoring points. Get it, you know, make this game exciting, and uh, just see how many points we can put up on the board. Um, and I, I feel like the uh, the philosophy and the the play calling um, is still an, an aggressive style of play late in the second half. You know, deep into the the fourth quarter. Still, um, obviously, you know, you get below four or five minutes, then then it's going to change a little bit, but. Uh, I mean, Coach Munkin was, was very aggressive uh, in the second half, even when uh, the dogs were up. Um, so I, I think uh, that's just the way the game's kind of turning towards um, and, and putting a lot of points up on the board. 
So I want to talk about another issue with you, and this has kind of come up among Georgia fans a little bit the last couple, you know, few days. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but so there's some chatter because Darnell Washington isn't here anymore, and because of the fact that a guy like Dominic Lovett is here, a guy who played slot receiver at Missouri, put up big numbers, that maybe Georgia this year won't run as much two tight end set as it has before, and maybe more three wide receiver set because you've got a slot receiver like Lovett who almost had 900 receiving yards uh, at Missouri a year ago. As a quarterback, you know, not necessarily for Georgia in this particular season, but just in general, how do you view the two tight end set compared to the to the three wide receiver set? Is it just a given that you want more receivers out there because it's more fun to throw the football? Do you like having the extra protection that comes from the second tight end and maybe keeping defenses guessing about what you might do as a quarterback? You know, how do you view different formations like that? Yeah, uh, great, great question. Um, you know, I love being eleven personnel, which is three wide, one tight end, one back. Um, just, just feel like it gives you more options uh, throwing the football if you need a tight end and protection, uh, you know, getting the ball uh, and pushing the ball a little deeper down the field. Um, you know, when you start getting in two tights, um, but if you are running the football and you start getting in 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field, uh, then the creativeness and then the efficiency of running the ball really opens up those middle-of-the-field throwing lanes to the tight ends, which, which is why uh, our tight ends had so much success with Brock and Darnell. Um, you run the football a little bit, create them, them throwing lanes over the middle, and a guy like Darnell and then a guy like Speedy as Brock. I mean, man, these guys can get open all day long. So um, just kind of really just depends on the feel and, and what we're doing well on offense. But, um, I mean, I, I like being at 11. I like having some receivers and some speed on the field. And um, But, gosh, as fast as these tight ends are running nowadays, yeah. it feels like you can be at 12 and, and still accomplish the same thing. I want to follow up with you on that in a moment. Let me remind folks before we do, it's our Kroger Fresh Tag with uh, Jake Fromm here right now. And, of course, we love this conversation with Jake each and every week, but we also love the things that Kroger's doing for you each and every week there as well, including using technology and all kinds of new ideas to save you more money, save you more time there as well. In fact, you can go digital and save even more with Kroger right now. You can download the Kroger app. You can get you an account there or online at Kroger.com and start getting those exclusive digital coupons to save even more on the stuff you're already buying right there with our friends at Kroger. Go to Kroger.com slash sign up for more details on that. It's Kroger.com slash sign up today. So, Jake, just to kind of follow up on this and finish up our conversation here. So, if Georgia isn't a three wide receiver set more this year, the guy that may be off the field then is Oscar Delp, who's sort of thought to be that next tight end waiting the wings. Uh, I know you don't have as much time to be around the Georgia program as you'd like these days, but how much have you seen from Oscar? What, what have you noticed about him? And how good do you think a guy like that could be if he gets his opportunity to kind of follow in line of what has become, as you said, a very prolific group of tight ends there in Georgia? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I'm expecting pretty big things out of him. I mean, he's a good-looking kid. He's got a good frame, uh, good ball skills. I've seen him, uh, you know, last camp, make some plays. Um, and so, I mean, why why should we expect honestly any drop off? Yeah. Um, because of the way they recruit uh, and the way they develop guys. And um, anytime he had an opportunity uh, in late in the season uh, during the SEC championship, during the playoff games, and the Natty, I mean, he, he came in, did well, blocked well. Um, so, expecting big things out of him. He, obviously, he has really big shoes to fill. But uh, uh, I mean, this is a good group. They recruit well. Um, and I, I, I do think, uh, depending on how well he plays and how he does, we can see a lot of 12 and a lot of the same schemes that we saw last year. Well, just real quickly, I'll say this. I almost never get to go to Georgia practice, and yet last summer I was at one for a brief minute, and seeing Oscar, now he's not as big as Darnell Washington is, but, man, he fell out of uniform even as an you know, incoming oh, yeah. freshman there at the time. He's sort of bigger to the just the observation than you almost expect him to be. 100%. Yeah, I mean – yeah, you, you kind of have to throw Darnell in his own unicorn category 
and then say, all right, cool, now now let's assess everybody else, man. And Oscar's a, a, a big young man, um, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I really do. I, I think he's got, a, he's got frame, he's got speed, he's got size, uh, length, and, uh, and really good ball skills too, which, uh, which really helps. Uh, tight ends as well jay great conversation love doing it with each and every week here on our kroger fresh take appreciate your time and of course we'll look forward to doing it again very soon there as well yes sir brandon thank you good stuff there from jake from and kind of a nice little uh, outlook for oscar delp for the upcoming season too as delp battles to not only be the second tight end in line for uga but also that guy vying for playing time with the other georgia wide receivers as mike bobo kirby smart makes some very interesting decisions about the kind of personnel the kind of formations they want to use and as we wrap up the day, you know, we told you a little earlier about our Dog Nation cruise coming up, and I've probably told you about that every day for the like however long it's been. Uh, well, a lot of folks are excited about that Dog Nation cruise, and some folks even make their own suggestions about the Dog Nation cruise there as well. In fact, we'll make that a part of our golden shoe here today. So uh, Matt shares this with me. He says, any way we can get this on the Royal Dogs cruise? And uh, it's a bottle of tequila that's got like the sort of very cool looking bulldog there kind of a almost like a georgia mascot type looking dog um i'm assuming that's carefully designed to avoiding kind of copyright infringement but nonetheless uh very cool here i gotta tell you it's tequila that's 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 pretty cool that is uh that is pretty good stuff there so matt i don't know if we'll get down the dog nation cruise but that is certainly a very cool collector's item you have there for yourself very very nice we'll give you a golden shoe on all of that and by the way lousy stinking gators will remind them 214 days from now georgia back in jacksonville beating up on florida again boy you love the thought of that that's our gator hater countdown we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia